Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics, such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision. Welcome to another edition of the Redeemed Vision podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bacorny, and it's an honor to be with you. And um, for those who are uh, are new to the podcast, one of our sponsors has been Catholic Casts. Uh, this is a uh, basically a resource, a major hub for with a cl- collection of over two decades of Catholic conferences. They can't be found anywhere else online. Uh, you're sure to be enriched here. It's $9.95 a month, and uh, which is well below the value of what is offered there. Um, myself, the guest that I'm gonna I'm gonna have on today uh, is found there, and uh, it's very practical ways in which you can live your life, uh, discover what is the will of God for you. Uh, so I encourage you to visit catholiccasts.com. That's one C in the middle, and this will help you get started today down that journey. Also, Freedom Coaching, uh, freedom-coaching.net. We are a resource uh, to help both men and women to break the attraction to pornography, to pornified images, to unchaste behavior, and to do it permanently. We get to see some of the most broken men and women and see them walk forward in freedom in a very relatively short period of time. So it would be an honor to serve you. Also, um, very uh, about once a month, we are doing events called Redeemed Healing, where uh, we have teams of people come together to pray with you and for you. There's no cost to this event, but we do need to get you on our mailing list. So if you head over to our website, freedom-coaching.net, give us your information, just your email, your name and email, and it'll add you to our email list. You'll be notified of these events uh, that are happening. And we're seeing some beautiful transformations happening. Sometimes there's physical healings, but uh, the bigger healings are the transformation of the heart. Also, if you're looking to support this outreach, as well as many of the other outreaches that we're doing through Freedom Coaching, we have a foundation. The Freedom Coaching Foundation Incorporated um, is a resource to help us to raise funds for those clients who would like to be free from unwanted impulses and things like that, especially um, especially uh, un- unwanted um, attraction through, through pornography. Um, and they need help with those resources. And um, this is where the foundation is able to step up to be able to provide for uh, those needs there. So um, we encourage you, if you are uh, able to, if God puts in your heart, to sign up for uh, those resources. The other uh, other element is um, I encourage you to please like, to click the bell, to subscribe, and share this so we can get the word out about these very important topics. Well, the past uh, little, little bit ago, um, I had a Wednesday. I had a Wednesday to maybe beat all Wednesdays. Um, right from the morning, I, uh, I've been in the habit of going to adoration most mornings. I left my phone at home, 
I wasn't able to get all my prayers and it was like off to the races. There were some very dark, dark things, uh, dark thoughts that were coming through my head, uh, things regarding my marriage and life and should I continue this work with freedom coaching and the work we're doing. Um, getting through this, it was brutal and um, had, having to battle through, um, getting a little testy. I would say I passed the test. I was probably passed it at about a C plus. Um, and um, what happened was uh, towards the end of the day, I had two clients. It was a long day. First client uh, towards the end of the day went pretty well. It was a second client where when we started our meeting, the, uh, the technology we use uh, for video conferencing shut off four times back to back to back to back. And I'm like, whoa, this is what's happening. I know what's happening here. And so we stopped and I, I stopped and we did, uh, I did some St. Michael prayers um, and some, some other, uh, other spiritual warfare prayers. And uh, the meeting went beautifully well. And after I got finished with that client, it was like peace entered the room, a palpable, palpable peace able to enter into this. And then, and then soon thereafterwards, about four or five days later, um, I felt a little scratchiness coming on, actually kind of lost my voice on the weekend. And then a sinus infection came in. Okay, now if you don't know anything about me, um, sinus infections are the bane of my existence. I once had a sinus infection come in on a plane. I was coming into cloud coverage. We were coming in for a landing and uh, literally the pressure was mounting and mounting and mounting. I literally felt like my, my brain was gonna blow up and my head was gonna explode all over the plane. Uh, it didn't happen, thank God, but I knew what was happening because I'm heading into, um, I'm heading in to go give a talk. And it's usually, a lot of my warfare is connected to this. Anyway, I was, it was a, a brutal time uh, working through that. It took about, about two days uh, to, to be able to get through that. Um, and I just remember laying in my head, I'm like, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done, offering this up. And anyway, made it through, I'm not dead, I'm very much alive. And I see these two stories, these two, uh, two elements of, of recent events to you as an encouragement, right? I don't know what struggles exactly are going through your life, but we live in a, a very stressful time, a time of anxiety, a time of pressure, maybe of fear that you're dealing with and wanting to, you know, maybe thinking about uh, wh why bother? Why does it matter? Well, it all matters. It all matters to Christ Jesus who wants to help you through this. So I encourage you look up some, um, especially um, some spiritual warfare prayers. Father Chad Rippinger uh, has a great resource called Deliverance Prayer for Laity. There's, there's, those, those are just example prayers um, that can help us to work through this. But know that we're in a test. It's a battle, a battle for life and love. And so, just if you'd like to um, share uh, this message with others, that that it's a matter of process getting you to where you are called to be. And and, and I would say, object if you are objectively heading into good a good area right? A good area of life and you're beginning to take ground and you're getting that kind of, um, of resistance and keep going, right? I, I forget who said the quote that if uh, you're going through, if you're halfway through hell, keep going, okay? God is with us. So with that said, with that encouragement, uh, a little thought for you, right? If you're a man, well, you've got a male body, but how do you develop into being a man? I mean, there's a lot of voices today that are trying to tell us, who a man is and how he's to live. But very few of these voices actually help us cut through the nonsense and live our masculinity in a way, in a way that corresponds to the deepest desires of our heart. So today to help me with that, 
discovery is Dr. Phil Chavez. I've known Dr. Phil, the real Dr. Phil, I like to say, um, with no, uh, with apologies to any other Dr. Phil's out there. Uh, he has combined over 25 years of ministry and study behind his work in men's spirituality and development. He holds a doctorate, yes, he's smarter than me, from the University of the Holy Cross in Rome. Dr. Chavez, he's the founder and director of the Men's Academy. It advances teachings on Christian manhood so men can better embrace their identity fulfill their mission, and move in their journey with grit and confidence. And you can connect with Dr. Ch uh, Dr. Phil, uh, as well as access free podcasts and other resources at themensacademy.org. Without further ado, Dr. Phil, welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast. Thanks. It's good to be here, Steve. Appreciate the opportunity here. It's an honor to have you here. And uh, we go back, We uh, when I was, uh, I think, studying at the JB2 Institute I remember uh, back that. in D.C., um, I was blessed to have you come stay at our home there and getting that. connected. I think it was, uh, I mean, I think we were talking beforehand with uh, Mark Hauck putting on the Masculine uh, Masculine Genius Institute. So um, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, see your development over the years in your own work um, and to be able to reconnect here. No, I appreciate that, Steve. Very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you can go back, obviously, for, for those uh, those who are, are new to you and new to your work, I'd like you to go back. Uh, just tell it if you'd share a bit about your background. Where did you grow up? What were the messages, again, since uh, masculinity and, and that development is your wheelhouse, what messages about masculinity did you receive growing up? Oh, wow. Okay. Haven't been asked that question before. But, um, yeah, I grew up in L.A. County in the south part near Orange County, about eight miles north of Dismal Land. And uh, I was um, raised in a family of 10. I was the second of 10 children. And my father was a contractor. So that really helped uh, in some ways a certain masculine identity where even since I was six years of age, I was pounding shingles on top of a roof. So I had very little fear of those kinds of things. I learned how to use a saw when I was about seven, a handsaw. So one of the interesting things is even though my father himself was somewhat distant, had his own struggles and issues, I work with my father and so I knew him. So I spent a lot of time with him. So I can't relate so much to the guy that hasn't spent a lot of time with his father or hasn't been close to him. And of course, it's important incumbent upon every man to, to do things with his father. Now, mine was mostly in the realm of work and not sports. In fact, it was such, you know, with 10 kids, things were tough growing up. So I had to kind of forge for myself. So I learned what it was to be a provider probably a little bit too early in the game. So, but, um, but in any case, those two themes in some ways, uh, you know, time with father spent. So uh, a certain leadership issues by my father introducing me to and seeing this and other contractors and other men in the field uh, providing for myself. I learned not to be uh, dependent. In fact, maybe in some ways I was too hyper independent and um, and that that caused a number of vocational issues. But in any case, um, and just learning to work with my hands, learning how to be dexterous. I had the blessing of um, being trained when I was 15 by a boxing coach who uh, was ranked 10th in the world for the bantamweight division. And um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was a pretty bold time. But I learned not to take a hit very early on. So there were a number of things and skills that I got introduced to. A lot of things I probably didn't get introduced to. Uh, I guess my raising in the faith was squishy, but in some ways I always I always had the faith. So 
I can't, uh, how would I say, relate to somebody who's necessarily lost it or lost a sense of God or faith. I've always, I've always hung on to it. Um, there was never a point in my life where I, I have not. But in any case, uh, I know you want to talk more about my experience in, in, uh, in the church and whatnot. But, but one of the things I've learned, the more deeper I got and the more that I kind of understood things, it was a real quandary for me that, you know, when you get to know people in the church and those very much engaged, you kind of wonder, well, if the church has the, the truth and the means of grace, why is it Catholics are so, I'll use the term, messed up? Okay. Mm. What are some of these dynamics which are uh, holding them back from a healthy, wholesome, vibrant life? So that was real mystery to me. And so it opened up a whole world of uh, character development and whatnot. And so I'm, I got I got my own uh, graduate degree at the John Paul II Institute as well. The same. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, which 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 session in DC? Yeah, I graduated in '95. Yeah, okay. way back when. So in any thank case, you thank you for paving the way. I appreciate. Yeah, it. and so and so. But anyways, I got a degree in a graduate degree in philosophy in Rome uh, at the Angelicum on conflict of emotions and anthropological philosophy. And I don't know if you knew, but I did my doctoral dissertation on church teaching on character development. Wonderful. So, and I have a whole chapter where I narrow down um, sexual psychosexual development as well, according to the uh, the Pope's basically from um, well 1929 to about 1994 or something like that. But in any case, or no, even past that, I take that back. About 2002. So, so yeah, there was a fascinating study, uh, which in some way a lot of that content, even though I don't quote it. It somewhat has provided a foundation for a lot of which I've learned. We could probably come, go, go in some of those principles later, but, but that gives you kind of the overview of where I've been. Okay, this is a great a great context, but I, I I'm I'm fascinated. My my brain is my brain is kind of blowing up here. So I want to I want to uh, I, I want to sure. go back before we go even go forward into a lot of the more um, thirty thousand foot view uh, topics here. You're six. I got to go back to this. You're six. You're on the roof. You're swinging a hammer with dad, putting shingles in, uh, yeah. which is reminding me I've got some shingles I got to get repaired on my roof right now. So thank you for that. Um, and and then you get into box. At what age did you start boxing? At 15. At 15. Okay. So do you have, you have like one or two stories about boxing that you can share? Well, it's interesting though. I, I mean, I just, I just find that... Um... I think the one of the most I mean the martial arts out of any particular human formative activity maybe outside of work maybe is the most formative for a male. In fact the church knew this and the church knew that the combat arts were vital in formation. First of all in the past you used to have to you used to have to know them for the sake of your defense of your community or city state or whatnot. But what I find is there's so many spiritual paradigms in 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 combat it's, it's just amazing. But, you know, the great one of the greatest things one learns, not only as a matter of dexterity, growing in strength, um, of course, any of the combat arts, pretty much, at least the majority of them really stretch you in terms of, uh, of your limits. But with the combat arts, you learn uh, not to fear taking a hit. And so men cannot move forward in life if they're filled with some of these incipient human fears. And they've got to, on the natural level, I understand through Jesus Christ and supernatural intercession, we could, we could, we could bypass our, our, our natural, our, even our natural fears to some extent, but, but we need that natural training as well. You know, grace does build on nature. And I find that when, when one is not afraid, sees the glove coming 
and knows it's going to land is not afraid of that landing. That's a vital thing for a young man to learn. By young, mm -hmm. I don't mean before 12 or 13. I think by that up to then, it should be more of the wrestling grappling arts. I don't think kids should go into boxing until he's at least 13, 14. It's my opinion. Others could differ on that. At least full contact. And yeah, um, no, that's, that, that's fascinating. I'm, I, I can't say I, I remember getting a fist. I was in fist fights when I was in fifth grade. Um, again, a couple, a couple of them. I remember that. And I think there is something about uh, a man or a young boy, the development of, of physicality that's, that's critical that I think in many cases in our culture right now um, is lacking in, in, in a lot of areas or, or, yeah. or the flip side is it's hyper, what is considered to be hyper masculinized only sure. about the physicality. And we do not focus on any of the interior in interiority. There's no in, inner development, especially as a human being. That's right. That's a concern. Yeah. And so in the formation of men, it's so important to, to this point, I'll, I'll mention something about men's ministry generally, but yes, one of the things I've learned about the study of the popes and whatnot, you know, what, what, in fact, I think the calling passage that I read when I was doing my doctoral dissertation, and maybe even earlier than that, that led me into a human formation generally, is where Pius XI says on his document in the English on the Christian formation of youth, he says mm -hmm. it's not sufficient to form for spiritual development alone. He says every child must be formed spiritually, intellectually, morally, physically, emotionally, uh, domestically, socially, and there's a seventh I'm missing. But there's a, and he says this must be done with specific principles in mind. And so, and so that fullness of formation is very important. And yeah, so when you look at men's ministry, oftentimes what you see is either, like you say, like you alluded to, there's just the physical component or maybe even just the spiritual component. And some even make it even more abstract into just virtue component and whatnot. And, um, you know, in fact, I find most men's ministry today is mostly guided through it's sufficient to make sure you're reading your catechism and your Bible and going to catechism and receiving the sacraments. That's what it is to be a man. And so I think there's there's a certain correctness in saying you were to form men in the image of Christ. Got it. That's true. But the problem is some limit that imaging of Christ just on the natural level, excuse me, supernatural level, which also to him is image him fully on the natural level as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's important. And I want, I want to get, I, I, I certainly let, we're going to go there in a bit, but I, I want to take, I want to go back here to a little bit because you, you kind of hinted at it. And I want to, I want to go into this and, and just make this as, as personal as we can with our, you know, for I, I, one of the, the themes that we, we talk about here on the Redeemed Vision podcast is about wounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and for a lot of people, the area that they, um, that they go into, especially service type order, especially sure. you know, if, if, we're, if we're Catholic or Christian and we want to go and serve others comes from either a, 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 an attempt to resolve personal wounds or those wounds have been healed and I want to go and bring this freedom to others, right? Sure, sure. How, you, you hinted at some of, obviously, spending time with dad. Dad's not perfect. And and perhaps there was some detriment there. So perhaps, some, if, if I can use that word, wound, wound or wounds were there. But how yeah. would you qualify that? How did you see that inhibiting some of your appropriate growing, uh, you know, development of masculine virtue growing up? 
Yeah, that's that's an important question on a few different levels. But in terms of the discussion of of wounds themselves, um, okay. And you asked me, you know, relating it to myself first. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I usually like to relate on the theoretical level, but but if you ask me personally, <laughs> you go very personal here. Yeah, I what happened in my own upbringing, though. I I as I said, I spent a lot of time with my father, and I had I had I had four brothers. Excuse me, three brothers and six sisters. Okay, my. I had two, an older one, a younger one. Again, I was the second, and the, the first and the third were both brothers. So, so there were certain bonds there. My brothers and I were somewhat fairly close, and I don't think we ever really had any great kind of divisions. But yeah. we all had to work for our father, and there were a lot of things where our father had a lot of integrated problems on his own. He had he had some extremely deep wounds when he was young, mm -hmm. serious injury. Um, he worked on a flight deck of an aircraft carrier and, and was under heist. So he, he had a PTSD outside of war. And so my father had a hard time relating. He could relate with his hands and he was in some way naturally skillful. And it's interesting. There's an intuition. He had to be skilled. Okay. Maybe not in terms of business or whatnot, but he was a good tradesman. But in any mm -hmm. case, so so I learned a lot about trades. I learned how to use my hands. I spent a lot of time with my father, but everything else in life was at the distance. And of course, he was so overwhelmed raising 10 kids. My brothers and I were somewhat on my own. So I have, an, I have a somewhat, you could say, where I grew up with, you know, I don't like to use the wound, wound a lot, word wound, but, you know, I grew up without kind of that close father figure where I needed in transition in life and a lot of instruction. So for the most part, I was on my own. Now, I was very blessed. My father gave me a long leash with a long enough freedom insofar as he was never against anything that I did. And he always, you know, he never encouraged me to any particular thing, which is good because he never dro drove me to do certain things or have certain expectations. But he always was approving of whatever I got involved with, which is interesting. So, but I was very much on my own in my life. And so, so that was, that was very, um, yeah, I think that was very difficult for something which I resented him for. And there were mm -hmm. other things too, which I think he, um, he infringed upon my own rights growing up. And I think a lot of times on the working on the job, he wasn't very fair to me in other respects. So where he would be more giving to his other employees, but to myself, even over my brothers, he was the hardest on me. So now I look more like him and in all the rest, but, but so there were, there were other things there, which, which was really a conflict, but we could, I could tell you about how I resolve those things later, but go ahead with your, uh, your yeah, no, no, no. I mean, and, and so on, on that point, right. So maybe some of the, the unfairness, some of the, the elements of dad is really good at his hands and he's teaching me these physical skills, but there, I'm going to use my term. You can correct me of the, the lack perhaps of interpersonal development there, shall sure. we say? Sure. Um, how would you say that affected maybe relationships growing, going forward in your life and, 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 and no, and, and then seeing there's, there's a gap here between the man I, I want to be, and the man I, I find that I am, and, and, and seeing some of those conflicts arise in some of my relationships. What would you say to that? Okay, just to, to begin just in theory, before I re go into myself in the particular, one of the things I've learned from my own life and, the, the, and working with other men is that, you know, we're all called to vocational life. We're all called to a life where we take on a certain state of life, but there are relationships which need to be forged well in order to follow a proper state in life. Now, as I say in my own paradigms, part of what I do in, in teaching men is uh, to help them understand what I think are six core identities. 
and I say they are moving from the beloved son to the loyal brother to the vital man, then the devoted husband, the strong father and veteran sage, son, brother, man, husband, father, sage. So as I'm growing into a man, I, I think, unfortunately, I had a lot of brotherhood, I think, with my own brothers and, and some friends. I went to an old boys high school, too, so that was good. But something about that fullness of becoming a man, and then without that elementary formation, it's hard to enter into husbandhood or priesthood or whatnot. But I was stuck. I really believed as a beloved son. And so so without that, that's the foundation upon the whole sandwich's base. Actually, it's one that's built on top of the next. So a whole mound, I guess. So everything is founded on the beloved son. It really is. And even Jesus Christ gives that example. So I felt that lack, that gap in what is to be a beloved son. And so that damaged and thwarted a lot of other things. I may have gotten right in brotherhood and manhood. But that that thwarted a healthy, sound, uh, how would an integration of my entire human person? Yeah, that, oh, that's definitely right. That, that is well. That's well said. And again, I, 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 my, my heart goes out to you. But also, I can certainly relate to you of my own father being out of the picture about the time I was five and trying desperately to figure out where do I fit in here. And I think that's what a father does, especially helps to create. Uh, I mean. I know this is my own uh, physical fatherhood, right? When you become a father, in that case, you you cease to be a person and you become you become a, a jungle gym, <laughs> right? As, as right. The old, the old phrase goes, right? But yeah. but even more, it's a it's a space and a place for for our children to know that they can come and know that they're loved, they're accepted, they're welcomed, all those things. Obviously, yeah. that's on physical fatherhood, right? Mm -hmm. So beyond that, though for uh, a young boy especially needs to receive that from somewhere or that detriment's going to be there right so right. um so as you are in, in your you're bringing up a, a really important a really important word came up in here right mm -hmm. that the, the word of vocation okay that in in, per, in pursuit of a vocation pursuit of mission here what is the mission what is the calling that god has put on my life um not many people may know this. Uh, I I knew you when you actually were a priest, right? Yeah. And so, what was the calling into that for you, right? Even and maybe even if you're if you can think through this, that in the context of that that maybe the there's something lacking of that the, the beloved son, the identity there, um, and and also to share how long you were a priest and what 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 as whatever you're comfortable with sharing of moving you from that that vocation, believing you know. I believe I'm called to serve in another capacity. Okay, yeah, that's a very wide question. Sometimes these things they they're they're a little unsettling even to talk about, but sure. but I can give you all the basics. Okay, sure. and so yeah, I entered the seminary in some way. I thought that was my calling. Now, I was always very devout, but then I did feel calling after I broke my leg in a judo accident right a week before I turned 18, exactly a week. Um, then I had my, you know, Ignatius experience or my, my transformation experience where I felt God was calling me to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I just felt at the time it was a calling to the priesthood, especially because I, I was in a Catholic culture in an era a little bit before you that had this idea, look, if you can make it in a seminary and you can handle it and you get through it, mm -hmm. it means you have a calling. And so I kind of bought that. And the whole thing, it was, well, we need good priests. Heard it all the time growing up. Okay. And it was also my mother, my grandmother, and everybody used to have that expectation on me. I was even in a youth group 
where I used to kind of take teaching roles. And when I was in a youth group, even when I was 17, 18, 19, mm. people used to call me Father Phil. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If, that, before, that'll mess with your psyche just a little bit. Yeah. And I, I didn't even thought about, well, I don't say I didn't even thought about the priest, but I never thought about really engaging in it. Right. So, so yeah. So I think what happened, I had a great love for the church and I had a great love for the teaching of the church. So two core things happened with me. One is because I wasn't settled in what it was to be a beloved son. I realized I pursued the priesthood to become the beloved son. And I realized how important it is to have that already established. Like I say, to be a beloved son, loyal brother, vital man. That's the foundation of that, right? And to some extent, a man has to have the full, even enter the priesthood, has to have a full of, fullness of formation. What is to be a husband, too? Formation, okay? I didn't say if you have to be one, but he needs the fullness of formation of it. So, but in any case, and so I didn't really have that. So I really realized I was seeking that. But also, too, we were, it was a time where there was a lot of, um, you didn't have the resource, it was, it was the pre-Scott Hahn age, okay, mm -hmm. where you didn't have a lot of Catholic resources out there. And there was such a concern in my youth about, well, especially my adolescence, I, I was kind of close to what was going on in the church before, let's just say during high school and before, I didn't really realize until mm -hmm. I got out, but there was, there was a lot of teaching gaps. You know, uh, teaching wasn't considered to be that good. You know, I mean, I think that still remains in some way in the pulpits and in the churches, but we didn't have a lot of resources. And there was an understanding that that the faith was being lost because of, lot of good, lots of good teaching. And so I kind of enjoyed the truth. I thought I enjoyed teaching. And so I realized I pursued the priesthood to teach. And so all of this quickly caught up with me because, very quickly. In fact, I was in crisis during my first year because I realized I wasn't really embracing what it is to be oriented around the sacraments. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, which is a priest primal orientation. Of course, as I got a little bit older, and even till I was much later in life, I learned even how the priesthood needs to have its core focus, not on the sacraments, but on self-sacrifice. And we don't have to go into that, but that's a very profound theme. I kind of learned the last 10 years of my life. So, but, um, but and I actually consider that even primal, but, but especially for one entering the priesthood, because he's called to a higher level of sacrifice. And I, I, I think what's happening, I, we don't have to get into this, but but priests are being led away from that in, in great measure. And I, I find this to be a great crisis. But yes. at least that gives you a background of where I stand in terms of the priest and whatnot and the kind of things that I fell into. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing this. So just uh, just recapping that, that that's, uh, and you were, you were a priest for how long? 17 years. 17 years, praise God. And so yeah. I'll have to confess, okay, sure. I had seminary <laughs> buddies and who used to kind of take me and say, Phil, are you sure you want to be a priest? You don't, And they even one, one guy even challenged me. He says, Phil, you don't need to be a priest to teach. Hmm. But I had other mentors. And again, I, I was in an age, too, where a lot of men were very suspicious about church leadership. This was an age where men were entering a lot of the religious orders and the dioceses were well, they were hurting then, they're hurting now, but a lot of men now are trusting the dioceses. And I think we see a trend last 20, 25 years where men are starting to enter dioceses more. There's a little more, let's just say there's a little more confidence. However, we want to talk about that. I think there is. But, mm -hmm. and so I didn't, I had a lot of distrust of clergy. And so I had other members uh, of the clergy, you know, who, to, who, who didn't think I had a vocation, asked me to leave very early on, but I was kind of stubborn. I, I didn't, I didn't believe in that. I thought, well, it's a, mm -hmm. a commitment I made and I stayed in there. But even my second year, 
even Benedict Rochelle, who took me on for a while, um, even he told me to leave during my second year. And um, and I was a little stubborn and I didn't. So mm. so anyways, it wasn't until some mentoring later on from close priest friends mm. that I finally really woke up, may have the courage to wake up, which, by the way, this came at a time, too, where about then I, I discovered the message of the beloved son. Again, mm. I was a priest for 17 years, right? I discovered wow. that message of the beloved son. It came to me in my, my 12th year. And I, I got to admit, as I grew in that, then I, I less gravitated toward the priesthood. Not that I ever had it, but then I, I realized it didn't need to be part of my life to, to become that. Once I, once I realized that um, 12 years in, 13 years in, at a very strong level, um, then I, I saw the mistake at a much deeper level. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, uh, thank you. And I, I, I think this is two of the themes that are are shooting across my my, my horizon and my head here as you share is, is one, uh, to a degree, a lack of formation on the, the human and spiritual formation to to because right. if we don't know that we are loved as beloved sons, if we don't know that if that is not our primary and I, I agree, absolutely going into the six stages of masculinity. Yeah, but but if we don't know that as the primary one and know it um, through and through, then what's going to happen is we're going to begin to um, feel really lost um, in, mm -hmm. in in whatever activity we do here, and right. and that that comes back into especially going to priesthood here, right? Where we've seen I think a lot of the crisis of priesthood, right, is that lack of 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 identity of priests are feel that they are um, mere merely a um, a caretaker for all the different of 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 getting the bathrooms clean and taking care of taxes yeah. and um instead of my focus is to be a leading sacrifice and mm -hmm. to administer yeah. jesus christ yeah. there right so that's right um so let me just say this very clearly thank you for your years of service as a priest right oh well, that, thank you you're welcome and and, and yeah. much good i i i in a little bit that i got to know you and and of whoever was your congregation that you were able to serve that was not wasted time. So I thank you. For yeah. And for which, to, to your point on one level, I mean, I, there was a spiritual journey there, which I'm very grateful for. And of course, with those experiences, I wouldn't have learned this whole understanding of the beloved son and how I kind of pro propagate that today. So I'm very grateful for that. But it was also gave me all of these tools and foundation stones to understand authentic Catholic or Christian manhood. And so without that, I would never have been where I am today and seen some of the problems I do today and what, what maybe uh, what I think are some of the vital solutions. Well, you're, um, you're hitting on one of the themes of, of our podcast, right? No, where we believe nothing is wasted. Everything is redeemable. And here yeah. we are, right? God, God, God is infinite wisdom knows how to put all the pieces together. That's why thank God I'm not God. Um, mm -hmm. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to go back to a phrase you brought up and sure. I think I'm going to, I'm thinking through my head, how do I want to phrase this? But I think I'm going to just make this an open-ended question. Sure. Um, and it's kind of shocking to everybody else, but you kind of said it. So I, I don't, I'm not, I'm blaming you. You're welcome. Why are Catholics messed up? Yeah, I think there's, 
okay there's a number of reasons okay and i um gosh where, where do i even start and, oh and by the way wait what? hold on first and just to let everyone know here um both dr phil and I, I i hope so we're both trying to be that's why we call it practicing catholics we're trying to be faithful catholics so we're coming from that perspective this isn't this isn't a catholic bashing hour but we're going to kind of do some some analysis on there because if you don't you can't get to solutions unless you know what the problem is so there why are catholics so messed up well, I think in some way, okay, let me just lay out a few of the problems and we could dig into the ones that, that you'd like to, okay? Right. First of all, I find that there's a great lack of, of how would I say, integration. Mm-hmm. In other words, the spiritual life and the human life, one of the things I'm seeing more and more, they've got to be fused. And most, cast, most Catholics live a dissociated life where they have this, this kind of human side of their life and the spiritual and they have a very hard time integrating that too. Now, one of the reasons, in fact, I think probably the most key reason that accounts for that, the lack of manliness and oftentimes the lack of good mentoring through priests, and I think priests are highly deficient today in their, um, not just in their abilities, but the actual mentoring of other men. You know, they need to take the example of Jesus Christ and start mentoring men. You know, Jesus, for the most part, only addressed men. He, you know, women listened in, right? They were part of his audience, but he his, his, his addressing was always generally to men. But what I find is that where where the where Catholics lack, where the evangelicals got us, and this is why they're oftentimes not impressed with us. We Catholics make it about the truth, grace. We're in the history. We're, we're the historical church. We have the sacraments and all these means of grace. The problem is we don't speak more of transformation in Christ. Mm. And that's what the evangelical here want ear wants to hear. It's that we've been transformed into Christ and we are called to become who he is. And so the problem is the Catholic Church make it about going to heaven someday. So we developed all this moral manuals, this mentality about doing all the right things. And in this in this uh, in this quest, and this would be critical of some movements going on, we, we give too much attention to the devil in other words i see speakers today and i know i'm being critical and i don't want to go here but i think it's a very important point is that we're speaking too much about the power of the devil and not the power of christ and we're failing to see how and catholics fail to see like evangelicals do that we have most of our power as catholics through our faith it's faith which is transforming it's faith with moves mountains it's faith which brings grace into our lives Instead of Catholicism, we've made it about truth, making sure we get the means of grace, and people are living in fear because it's not identity-based like the beloved son, but it's the doing-based. We do all the right things, get our needs met along the way, and make it to heaven someday. You know, and so there's a lot of talk in the church. I hear this men's conferences as well. I know I'm being a little critical about, you know, my. I hear this all the time at men's conferences. My job is to get me and my family to heaven. No. Your job is to be everything that Christ is and to live from the inside out and become the salt of the earth and the light of the world and shine before your family and your community. And in doing that, incorporating into Christ in order to make that happen, that's how we get to heaven. The problem is if we make it about just getting to heaven someday, it becomes very impersonal, which very much the evangelicals don't like because they are correct. You know, there is supposed to be a personal relationship. And a lot of times they don't see that in Catholics. And so they're quite unimpressed with us. 
And so this is why it's hard to make the arguments that, well, with a historical church, we, uh, you know, we've, we've got all these means of the truth and the means of grace and the sacraments and the Eucharist and all this doesn't mean anything to them if it lacks a certain kind of intimate connection and union with God. And that's what we're called to every day. As beloved sons, we're called to move in intimacy with God. It's our calling, actually. It's one thing we're, we're called to do, to be in communion, to be in, 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 in prayer by which we engage every day and not just struggling to just make it to eternal life. Two themes here, and if there's more that you want to go into the, the the messed up, I'm totally this is this is the, this is getting to the junk, right? We want we want to stir this up a little bit. We, we got mm-hmm. you. Um, I'm hearing two themes so far, right? One is that lack of integration, right? We're being yeah. integrated here, um, and and I do think, and this is another reason why. If you if I don't, again, I don't know how many interviews you do, um, uh, Dr. Phil, um, with the work you do, but uh, this is many times we can get caught in what a person does. And get caught in all the um, the exteriors, and we don't sure. let a person really come in, right? This is why. Mm, it, it, interesting. Um, it, I, w- one of the things I've I've heard heard said was when, as you're approaching St. Peter's, okay, from the outside, like uh, I don't know, a, a, a mile out, it looks very cold. Mm. It looks it, it looks threatening. In fact. But as you are approaching and walking, walking into the square, it's the columns are the arms that embrace the world, right? But and I think where where mm-hmm. a lot of Catholics live their lives, the, the perceived notion is, let's keep people at a distance. And I think it's the, the fear that if I let you in, if I let you see the junk that's going on here, that I don't have it all together, you're going to reject me here. But this is this is where yeah. we must go because yeah. it's. We're, we're, we're never, this is what, in, in fact, what makes us so lovable is that we have this brokenness. And now I can actually connect with you. And if we'll bring this to the one who came to embrace my brokenness and came to do something about it, aka to transform that, then this is where we see the miracles happen. Right? So, yeah. so that, 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 so that no, notion of, I, I didn't even say the second one, but I actually Im- implied it here of lack of integration, but also a lack of, of really being real with people is I think hindering the church's, the Catholic church's mission to evangelize them. Sure. All right. Um, I'm going to try to comment on the last part of your statement, but I, I do need to comment on something I think very vital to what you said in the, in the beginning, or most of what you said is that, you know, when we talk about wounds, one of the things that's so important is to understand in this journey, the beloved son, mm-hmm. you know, at baptism, the old man is wiped away. So at baptism, Steve Bacorny no longer exists. Mm-hmm. It's Christ who exists. Yeah. And he lives through Steve Bacorny. So you're more Christ than you are Steve. Now, if that's the case, all that you've experienced and gone through life is not your journey. It's Christ's journey. And so Steve Picorni has a wound uh, and he, he may own it in some way. It's not really his wound. It's Christ's wound who Christ has asked him to bear. One of the key reasons is my opinion why Catholics don't find healing is because we make it about our wounds, not Christ's wounds, which he has, which he asks us to carry. And then if it's, if it's his wound, then we could see a plan more easily and more readily, and then we could more see the path to healing. So again, I think one of the key problems that I see in the Catholic Church, and I see this evangelicals too, 
we own our own wounds. And once you can not own them anymore, then automatically when you see that, the light turns on and there's just, there's freedom from that. The Christ has you a burden. Christ, yes, he's, he's given you a burden, but that burden is his. The yoke is his. It's not yours. And people, when they redound and own these wounds, there's a way to say to own these wounds. And so as far as maybe you could say we're responsible for them in some way or responsible to heal them. I, I, I kind of get all that. But even that language falls a little short. But they're, they're Christ's wounds he asks us to bear. And so the more we understand that we're in his journey, that we have no journey. The journey now is Christ. It was he who was bludgeoned and bruised and whipped. And so he'll pass that on to us. And again, so long as we own those wounds and believe they redound to us, um, they will always disaffect it. This is why even today at Mass, this morning, the mm. priest talked about well, offering up our wounds to God, offering up our sacrifices. They're not our sacrifices, and they're not our wounds. This is one of the things I realized. In fact, it was my morning meditation, because I had to think about this. I presented it. I tried to talk with God. Lord, you know, there, there's something very core wrong, because I heard this all the time. You heard your sufferings, offer it up. Well, the problem is you're not supposed to offer up your sufferings. Offer his. You're supposed to offer his. Mm. And it's mm. offering his, which makes it meritorious. You don't have merit of your own, your own self. Your merit is Christ. So when we, yes, we offer up his sufferings, which he asks us to bear for poor souls or whatever intentions we may have. Oh, uh, okay. This is, now we're getting deep. This is, this is yeah. good and heavy. The, the scripture verse that is, uh, a couple things are, are, are running through my head. One at first is John 15. You can do nothing. You can mm. do nothing unless you are attached to me, the, 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 yeah. the vine and the branches, right? We must yeah. be attached there. And then also the connection is we get to heaven ultimately by doing the divine will of the father. And how do yeah. we do that is by being utterly conformed to Christ. Yeah. And let me just, yeah, right there. One of the things we have to understand, eternal life is not a future reality. Correct. You know, eternal life is, is we're living it now. Yeah. Eternal life is knowing the father and his mm -hmm. son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Right. And so insofar as we're in prayer and in communion, in grace, we could say in friendship with him. Okay. There's different ways of expressing this, but the reality insofar as we're in communion, we have eternal life and we are saints. Because of that, that makes us saints. Okay, not that we stop there, but that we keep continually growing in sanctity. So the the, the language talking about we're going, we're here to go to heaven someday. Is I understand there's any there's 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 a place called heaven that I go to when I die. But heaven starts now. We need to live in communion now. Communion with God is what we're called to. Yes, for all eternity. But that communion is is not just foreshadowed now. It's lived now. No. So it's, it's a certain falsity to say, you know, there's eternal life waiting for us. No, it's eternal life is now and it's present. And it's communion with the Father. Well, it's communion with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, which is present with us and accessible to us right now. Mm. And uh, it, again, this is the prayer of the Our Father, right? On, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Right? Well to bring, yeah. to bring very, heaven very here. Good. Now, right? This is what we're, we're called to, right? Yeah. And I think... I think that yeah. is one of the if 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 it's true, like uh, uh, Dr. Phil, don't get me wrong. I would love to hear more homilies on heaven. Frankly, I think we could use a lot more homilies on heaven, right? But if so, if the accusation is that that Catholics are too focused on trying to get to heaven someday, and and even within that assumption, I'm going anyway. 
I think we do have to be careful, very careful about that. I think it's the, the, the coming back to the reality that it's now, it's the person we're becoming now is who we're going to be in, in eternity, albeit perfect, perfected by the grace of Christ um, and perfected in love, right? But mm -hmm. that begins now, that response of grace there. Yeah. So I want to go back here real quick because we're, we're uh, I want to sure. respect your time in this. And, and three, uh, they're, they're related, but they're, they're distinct issues, right? Mm -hmm. So one would be, and you have a very unique perspective coming in and out of the priesthood and, and looking at some of those, I'm going to still use the term of wounds that we find in the priesthood and find mm -hmm. a, a very, a, of the, the, again, especially in the last five years of things exploding through scandals and things like that. If you could have, what would be, if you could have your say of seminary formation, if you had a you had carte blanche on that, what would be two or three of those elements that should be, directly worked on within formation to help that we br are, are, are bringing out, churning out healthy priests. Okay. So in the interest of time too, let me go quickly. What I think is the a spiritual realm, which is most important in this case. And secondly, the human realm in the spiritual realm. One of the things I never heard is you have to remember what makes the new covenant priesthood different from all other priesthoods. And for most part, all civilizations has a priesthood. It's, it's an, in some way you could say it's a natural institution. Okay, because it's it's part of what we are in a sense. You know, we're we're beings to know that we have some kind of end that that continues, but that sacrifice needs to be made. Now, the difference between Jesus and his sacrifice as a priest, he just didn't offer the sacrifice; he was the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so, what's primal, primal, foundational in New Covenant priesthood is a priest should only be ordained when he feels that call. All of us as lay people are called to the sacrifice too. But a priesthood's called it a higher level to sacrifice. Yes. Now, sacrifice what? Well, for, well, in Christ. Well, St. Catherine of Siena teaches Christ's sacrifice was of three different types. His shame, his humility, and his physical pain. Shame is opposed to prestige. Humility is opposed to pride. And pain is opposed to comfort. And one of the greatest challenges in the priesthood, I would say 90% of priestly life, instead of being being moving and yielding to a life of shame, humility, and physical pain, they yield to a life, which is if so much in, before them of prestige of pride and of comfort. Mm. And so they Chillers. live lives. They're conducted Chillers. in lives. I would say universally soft lives. Okay. And that I believe is highly damaging to the priest. And so he needs to learn how to properly sacrifice as a seminarian and be led properly into that. I never heard this when I was in mm. seminary ever. Okay, if I did, maybe once or twice, and there's no development of it. Okay, so it was like I never heard it. Secondly, yeah, there there needs to be in terms of human formation. You know, what, in terms of what I do, I don't I don't have like programs or something. I just try to teach and get to the core of the nature of man. Okay, so that that's my calling. So I don't I don't have like I just try to teach the truth and just get that out there. So, but but that's where I start too. And so men, priests need to understand. What is the fullness of human character development? Actually, Pius XI told clerics they needed to do that, as well as experts in, in church areas, that they need to all understand those seven key areas of, 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 of human formation, what he calls human character. And that needs to be completely enunciated. So a priest can see it needs to understand, you know, maybe that bird's eye view of all the character elements. So he's not missing one. And so we could detect if he's in grave error in any one of those. 
because the very least you should be avoiding great error. And I believe a lot of priests fall into huge error because they don't understand that landscape of complete and integral human character development. And specifically even drilling that down into, and I believe foundationally, and I'll just, let me just finish with this one point. Foundationally, a sound family, a sound society, a sound church, a sound state, country, whatever, is founded on people understanding well what it is to be male, female, man, woman, husband, wife, and father and mother. If we lose a proper unhealthy sound understanding of these realities, there's no way we can have sound institutions otherwise. All sound institutions, all sound in communities are based upon that sound formation or sound and sound understanding of male and female. This is uh, very countercultural, and you were in the right place to be talking about this. Absolutely. That's good. I'm totally, and the, the theme that I would say, especially, well, and again, I, I don't know if you knew this, I was in seminary for four years myself. Oh, I didn't so, know that, no. So, yeah, so before I was at the JP2 Institute, um, so I have some, uh, also some uh, some gravitas to be able to speak on these issues as well, not as long as you were, but um, but that notion of that, that comfort kills, I saw it all the time, and we, mm-hmm. and we continue to see it, and we see a, a lot of these elements. So to any of those, any priest who may be hearing this, right? Um, we, we, this is a, a humble, uh, from, from the laity here, asking you to check yourself, to go and, and check your heart at the door, to see where you are on some of the hard issues of human formation that need to be done here, um, and to present those to Christ Jesus and, and ask yeah. him, and well then, said. and then, and then bring in others. If you don't have those skills within you to bring others into your life that can help you to do these things. I'd love to see a boxing priest that would just you know you know how you i mean the amount of vocations that would probably be stirred up by seeing father go at go go three you know, three, three uh three rounds for that i was just about to say that if the most solitary and i'm not being flippant when i say this mm-hmm. the most solitary thing that could be done for the church in the present age mm-hmm. is to reinstitute boxing on the parish level and the seminary level mm-hmm. and i'm very serious about that not other martial arts not wrestling boxing and the Irish knew this. And because when they were sending out priests all over in untold numbers, proportionately to their population, all those boys were boxing. Not some of them, all of them. And so if we brought that back, vocations would explode. They'd explode. And, men, and, and, and that would be a, a practical forum where boys and men and priests would grow and yield and wield that continually that manliness. Because it's not something we learn and then move forward we just we have to completely grow in it not just even our understanding of it but also in terms of our habits of what it is to live a manly life and somehow boxing cuts through a lot of the nonsense and it's not until you get alone with gloves in a ring trans is is so transforming of males um i'm 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 almost close to mid 40s my bones kind of creak at that idea but maybe i'd have to strap a head head uh Head, uh, headgear on and go at it. I'll have to think about that. Um, three bigger questions here before we move on to something else. Because and these, but these are all connected here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, from the church's understanding, marriage and family life are the foundation, the cell of society right? yeah. that, that help and civilization. Yeah. And we've seen that the divorce rate in the past forty years has gone down because the marriage rate is going down right now. Mm. Right? And it's, and people yeah. just aren't getting married, right? So. Yeah. What would you say, again, 
two or th if we're if we're if we're coming the the one of the hearts of the church is the priesthood, right? It's not the only mm -hmm. heart, but it's it's key to the priesthood. A key to key to the church is the priesthood. Key to the church also. Another key is marriage and families, right? Yeah. So, what would you say two or three trends, especially given your work that you do with men, to uh, or uh, two or three practical ways to be begin to reverse this trend? Okay. First of all, what I think, and I, this is my opinion, but I hold this opinion very strongly. The reason marriages break down in, even in amongst devout Catholics is because of the failure of men to understand and exercise what it is to be leaders, protectors, and providers, and for women to be formed to yield to that. So in other words, let me just put it to you this way. What I think it's what's happening today, mm -hmm. instead of forming men to be leaders, protectors, and providers, we're now in this androgynous, egalitarian, co-educational mode, which all those things become unintelligible. Not only they're not understood, but they're not well exercised. Now, let me say this, and some of your listeners are going to get very upset at this, but the, re the concomitant reality is if that is the case, if a man is called to be a leader, protector, and provider, then is, the, the woman in his life is called to be led, be protected, and be provided. And what's happening in devout Christian Catholic homes, instead of forming women to be led, be protected, and be provided for, we teach them to be independent, competitive, and self-sufficient. Um, independent instead of being led, um, competitive instead of being protected, and self-sufficient instead of being provided for. Mm -hmm. And what's happening, I see this all the time. When you really drill down into lack, where women have a lack of respect and deference to men is where they fail to yield to men as leaders, protectors, and providers, either because of their own dispositions or the men in their lives are not properly and responsibly those as well. And so I really believe if we want to take this world back for Jesus Christ as a foundational aspect, you know, assuming, presuming too, of all those things we've already talked about, is a right and healthy sound formation in leadership, in protectorship, and providership, and all of that means. And that's, that's okay, very so, involved, by the way. No, this is really, really important. This is definitely, uh, this is counterculture on the bigger sense. It's countercultural now in the way in which people see, Catholics view Catholicism, uh, yeah. the rules between men and women. So I'm going to, let's throw out a hard question here. Let's not, let's not dodge this, right? All right. If you're, there's a woman, you know, you're, you're in a, uh, you have a relationship with her. Let's, I'm, I'm throwing out a, a hypothetical situation. So this isn't a woman off the street. This is someone, you know, you have a, uh, you have a, a genuine, healthy relationship with this woman who has, who has taken that more hard edge as a woman, right? Mm -hmm. But her relationships with men are not going in a healthy way. Right. Right. But, but so this is a trusted relationship, right? That you're able to have these discussions. How would you bridge that conversation with her? Okay. What piece of advice would you give to her that she she hasn't she hasn't opened this to a message that you're offering here? What would you say to her? Two things. First of all, on the spiritual, the more temporal level. On the spiritual level, if if we can get a woman to understand that her vocation, or rather, well, at least to become a wife, she must be led, be protected, and be provided for, and that is God's will for her that she needs to yield to God's will instead of her own training. Now, I know that's hard, but it, it, but one of the reasons why women are not yielding to this is because they don't see it as God's plan, God's design. So they need to be convinced of a scenario of God's design for them in their lives, which they need to begin to yield to and trust 
that even though that's countercultural or that's counter the way they've been formed or even where their husband is challenged, now that gets a little more difficult. But if they yield to these natural things of being led, being protected, and being provided for, then God will bless them. If they live according to the nature God created them for and the mission God created them for, then they just have to depend that God will bless that. Somehow he will bless that. It's so important to bring women to this. Secondly, is what I find too in 90% of women, definitely 80%, at least ones that'll give you an ear. You have to wake up that desire to be led, be protected and be provided for. So literally I will just confront women directly with that. And I will say, well, deep down, don't you really wish you could be led by a sacrificial, selfless man to be protected by him and pr be provided? And then after that deer in headlights look, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I wish I had that. But I can't expect that today. So I just have to, you know, be, you know, make it on my own. So but anyways, but the, the, the natural desires of women to have that need to be woken up for them to see the truth. And uh, so this is not an easy project that we're proposing here by yeah. any, by any means. And, and I think it's, it's cutting into, you implied this earlier. Um, and, and I think this is a key thing, both men and women, uh, sex appropriate education wise of learning how to not be self-sufficient, right? A man must first go to his heavenly father, know that he's a beloved son and let him guide that conversation. A woman needs to go to her heavenly father as well, but also go to the greatest woman ever and have these conversations. Yeah, right. How do, how do I fiat? Right? Men are going to need to learn how to do their own fiat as well. It's going to look different than the way um, that women do this, yeah. but, um, but both sides of humanity here must get this because in, in, in yeah. order for the, there's a, uh, here, we'll go back to the JV2 Institute, ready? Here's the dollar 50 word for, for everyone who's listening, the circumcessiveness of, of of humanity, right? Okay. Which, not sure like, I got that one, but go oh, ahead. Do you not okay, well, here, uh, Dr. Schindler, maybe he was, he was be, uh, after your time, I believe, he used this term in, in class. So circumcessive, if you think of the Trinity, right? One God, three persons, right? They, they are absolutely unit, uh, uh, in unity, but there is a distinction, a distinction of persons. And so if we think of those, uh, those, those circles that come over, like if you have three circles together, there's circumcession, there, there are, there's an overlap here. So in, 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 if we're made in the image of God, male mm -hmm. and female, there is a unity of our humanity. We, we share the common stuff, but mm -hmm. there's going to be an over, uh, an, um, where, where things are not overlapping, is the distinction is are the differences between men and women? These are things right. that must be respected here. Right. And can we rely on the on the gifts and talents that we each have? It's very important. But the men, like to get back to this, and this is hard for all of us. I know I know I see this wound in my own marriage, right? Where my wife and I, where we have difficulties, is yeah. where I know that I'm called to lead here. My wife's struggling with this, right? Or or on the flip side, I, she has a gift here. And I'm not willing appropriately so to defer to that gift that mm. is that is genuinely her, hers, yeah. right? Which takes a lot of discernment, a lot of patience, a lot of kindness, and a lot of really listening to one another, right? So sure. very valuable. For our last part here, and I, I know we're we're getting we're very short on time on this on this section. You are the, the founder and the caretaker of the men's academy right? yes uh -huh. you've shared a lot here getting very personal your own life and I, and I thank you for going there for 
people get involved in or, or want to go deeper in this, why should they take a look at the men's academy? What are you going to offer to 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 them that they may not find anywhere else? Well, two things, and uh, I guess, and they they have to do basically with the two fundamental things that I'm offering now. One is I have a three minute, two and a half to three minute inspiration every day. I call it a manly minute. So if every every man wants kind of a spiritual human. And sometimes, of course, they're on different subjects. Sometimes they're more spiritual. Sometimes they're more on the human level. But I give an inspiring thought each day, Monday through Friday, for men to listen to. So most men go through the day without one good, let's just say, character-building thought, okay? So I try to give that to them. But right now, too, I have a Beloved Son podcast they can find on YouTube under the Men's Academy. So all that we've talked about here, and I've covered in detail what it means to live embraced and moved as the beloved son. I call it the beloved son podcast. So of all the things that I do, that's the most foundational because if we can't move in that, then, then all the rest that we're talking about, it's not going to have foundation. Not that it's not true, but it's not going to have foundation and something to really land on. So, so that's what I try to do. I try to make that journey, the beloved son, very intelligible, get into the many dynamics and problems and obstacles in that. And, and try to give some insight so people can embrace that, what it is to live and move and thrive as a beloved son of their heavenly father. Oh, so so important, I, critically important. I apparently need to subscribe to the podcast and listen more in that. I love it, uh, what you're doing there. And uh, and best place to reach you through there is themensacademy.org, is that correct? Yeah, themensacademy.org. Yeah, you can find the links and, and you can sign up, I think even through YouTube for that, yes. Wonderful. Or actually, no, you eventually have to go to YouTube to sign up for the Men's Academy. I don't, yeah, well, we do have a link now that I think about it, but yeah, um, go to the mensacademy.org. I think you'll find how to get on to these weekly minutes and you can receive them by email and or text. And a lot of people just love the text. Most just prefer email, but they can also get access to the weekly podcast as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, your, your work is incredibly needed. Please, please continue to do, uh, do this work. Well, thank you, Steve. I won't want to do anything else. Absolutely. Maybe beach ministry in Maui, but other than that, no. <laughs> well, you can always do that once a year and bring more men there. Uh, I, I may join you if you do that. Uh-huh. But um, I want to switch our to switch our time here. I, I warned okay. you this is coming off air. Um, we call this the twelve. Okay, this the is 12. twelve seemingly light and fluffy questions that have nothing to do with what we we're talking about. Interesting. Okay. But they have everything to do because it has to do with you. Okay. So don't overthink this. Top of your head. Are you okay. ready for the 12? All right. Sure. All right. Let's roll. Number one, peanut butter, creamy or crunchy? Absolutely crunchy. There you go. Uh, I'm right there with you. Number two, if you could be any Star Wars character, who would you be? Wow. Probably uh, yeah, Luke Skywalker. Leading the charge. Number three, what's your desert island food? My desert island food, uh, coconut, obviously, because I think that's <laughs> most solitary. And those who live the longest lives eat a lot of coconut oil. You're, you're being very literal. I'll take that. Number yeah. four, beer or wine? Uh, wine. Okay. It's, follow it's up. an element of Jesus' first miracle. So Amen. It, Amen. There's got to be some uh, sanctifying action even to drinking natural wine. I think you're right about that. Um, so follow-up question, what kind? Uh, I like I like red, of course. Um, if Merlot is is real true Merlot, um, I, I prefer that. Pinot Noir is the highest level of uh, Reservatol, which is the healthiest for men. So 
an argument can be made that in general Pinot, Pinot Noir is probably the best wine for men to drink. Okay, I got another follow. So why is it the healthiest for men? It, it because of the reserval reserval component, which helps with cancer and uh, proper prostate health. Really? Okay, this is I'm learning something new. Yeah, Pinot Noir I hear is the highest of all the red wines. Cabernet has it, Merlot, and others, but Pinot Noir apparently has the highest level. Okay, I have to go shopping for some more Pinot Noir. This is great. Okay, um, number five, what is the most memorable Christmas gift you received growing up? Wow, memorable Christmas gift. Gosh, bring us back. I, I um, wow. Um, you know, well, I, I, you know, it wasn't like today where people get a lot of gifts. I got very little when I was growing up, but um, I don't know. I could think of some pajamas I got when I was a kid, a bike. One time, that was really cool. My brothers and I, we all got new bikes. Everything came in threes at Christmas gifts, it seemed. But yeah, probably a new bike. And I, I still have this burned memory of a set of pajamas that I got. I don't know why that comes to mind, but that's the one that's most burned. Maybe riding your bike wearing the pajamas. That's right. That's the coolest thing. <laughs> Very cool. Um, number six, what is your bucket list city or country? Wow. Well, it's always been Italy. Um, I think in terms of intellect, culture, and fascination, Italians are, are amazing. And when they tend to, tend to, as I say this, and most Italians don't get offended, when Italians put their mind to something, it's the best. When they don't care, it's the worst. Mm. Yeah, I think of the Ferrari. So here we go. It's a great car. Ferrari F40 has been my, my dream car forever. So uh -huh. there we are. Um, number seven, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Wow. Superpower. You know, I've always had dreams about flying. I don't know. Flying, I think, is the number one. Maybe two. It's connected with the eagle, too. So I think the eagle is the greatest animal or ever. Yeah. Air, uh, wing species. Yeah. Definitely uh, to no fly. I, uh, that, I, I can't tell you how many people, how many guests we've had. Uh, the flying is number one for them. So you're interesting. Yeah. Uh, number eight. Have you ever, have you seen The Chosen? You know, I've only seen small clips on YouTube. No, I've never. Um, I, I guess uh, I, my high expectations with a figure of Jesus is very high. It's one of the reasons I don't like a lot of saint movies. You know, they don't seem to accurately depict saints, in my opinion. So I, 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 th that's one of the reasons why I haven't really gravitated toward it. Though you're probably about, and this is an exaggeration, by the 20th person that's asked me that, which so probably is a calling. If, if I can call you to it, start watching. You will. Okay. You, it, is, it is worth your time and effort, and I think you will, you will find things that you will be able to go deep with that series. They've got their finger on the pulse of, of our of our culture. If you if you were trying to inculcate, like they're being tr trying to being as true to the scripture and mm -hmm. true to that the cultural back there, but they're also reaching right into where our culture is today. I think it's interesting. interesting. Okay. I'll, I'll, they do. A, it's a it's a really good balance. There. So okay. Uh, number nine. Uh, well, and by the way, if you do start watching it, then side note, come back to me because I have an impossible question to ask you. But you okay, just, you gotta start watching. All right, number nine. Um, besides your name and date, what do you want written on your tombstone? Uh, John seventeen four. Um, mm -hmm. Father, I have. Um, um, gosh, how does it go? Gee, I should have. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, um, it's about the final accomplishment of his will. Jesus, maybe because I'm on the spot here now, it's hard for me to re remember, but, uh, it's John 17, four, you know, that I have come and father, I've come and I've accomplished thy will. Mm. Amen. That's, uh, I, that's, that's beautiful. 
that's what I want on my tombstone. I love it. I love it. Um, number 10. If you could pick only one, you got one here. Okay. Your favorite scene. Wow. St. Um, probably Thomas Aquinas uh, because of the many aspects of, of uh, he was not, he was exemplar saint intellectually, morally, and, uh, and spiritually. Mm, yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, number 11. If you had to be martyred, how would you want to go out? You know, uh, you know, oftentimes men think about the way they're going to die, but uh, the imagery of hanging and hanging by the neck, um, there's something by which I'm trying to understand what that experience might be like. And, and um, my, 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 the parish is called the Holy Martyrs of England and Wales, and so many were eventually hung. That wasn't how they died, but they were eventually cut up and chopped up. But, I mean, um, um, the martyrs that were hung, I always find that very striking to mount a gallows and to go through the, because it, I, there's something about that too, which was rit ritualistic. And I mean, I'm speak, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think it out loud now. There's something about that whole, it, it's a whole ritual, right? A wicked one, but it's a ritual. It's somewhat imitating Christ, but, yes. um, there's, there's phases in that whole ritual, which are very profound and very moving. Mm. Yes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back to some of the movies where the hero is going to be hung and going there, whether he's saved or whether he is not right. Um, mm. that's, that's very, I, this is a whole man. I, you got me, you got, you got the my movie, try, check out the movie Bonhoeffer. It's, oh, it's one of my favorite martyr movies. In fact, I have a few uh, favorite Protestant movies, but the movie Bonhoeffer his hanging is the last scene. You don't actually see it, but there's some beautiful lines right at the end. It's it's one of my and that's that's a good one that shows somewhat of the ending of his life in that ritual before he's finally hung. Wonderful. Okay, I will I will check it out. You see, it wouldn't be a masculine conversation unless we're talking about death and and in, in glorious ways. Excellent. Okay. All right. Yeah. Final question of the twelve: sure. Why be Catholic? Well, I guess because simply it's the closest way to be like Christ. Do our evangelical friends and non-Catholics live in Christ? Yes, I, I think they can, but they can't live in him in the fullness through which is possible through Christianity, which the sacraments uh, amp up. Let's just put it that way. The sacraments don't constitute the spiritual life, but they perfect it. Spiritual life starts in faith that our Protestant brothers have, and, and that foundation is vital, and it's first. But the perfection of faith is found in the sacraments. And that's how we really become and conform more like Christ. Well said. Well said. Um, Dr. Phil, thank you so much for being sure. with us. Um, do you have any final word you want to share with our guests? Well, I just uh, thank you for um, inviting me. I'm just I'm very humbled by that. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And I really believe that one of the, one of the things that will help, uh, you know, just to go back to just one simple point. It's important that we men um, not buy into the Marxist-Leninist line, you know, that everything is all equal and women need to be fully educated in order to survive. They have to contribute something to the community. Every man needs to say to his daughter, honey, you will always be provided for. You will always have what you need. You go thrive to be in your vocation. You are not alone and um, I will always be with you. And there's something about a man protecting his daughters and providing for them through himself, his, his brothers, and his sons. Women should always know they're provided for. 
And we have bought into the Marxist-Leninist dream, the majority devout Catholics and devout Protestants, to think to raise women in a uh, egalitarian, self-sufficient way. And I believe unless we get back to men really fully providing for their daughters and fully protecting them and fully leading them, we can't take this world back for Christ. Tough words, but very necessary words. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll talk to you on the other end of this. So thank right. you very much for being uh, being with us today. And for all of those who joined us today, um, this is just one of the uh, one of the many guests who add value. We believe add value to your life. So I want to thank uh, Dr. Phil uh, for all of the great work that he does, and for all of you. Um, who are hearing this, please share this message. Please take this to prayer. Please see how God is calling you to go deeper into, especially if you're, if you're a man, into your masculine journey. And for the women out there, that you, what men in your life need to hear this, share this with them. Because there's a call, a great and high calling that's put on us. For all of us at the Redeemed Vision Podcast, as usual, we believe that we must do everything to the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Remember, nothing is wasted. Everything is redeemable. So go out and live your life as if you are already redeemed. The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Movie.